On this episode of Rev Hangout, Ben and I talk about the first two MotoGP races of the year, the IndyCar shootout in Texas at the Expel 375, and the surprising first race of the Formula One season. Let's do it. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Rev Hangout. I'm your host, Nathan Nevue, and alongside me today is my co-host and good friend, Ben Bagley. How are you, Ben? Well, it's another day, another exciting race weekend, and hopefully the first of many. Yes, it's a long season, and if this first F1 race is anything to go by, it's going to be a good one. There's a whole bunch of good races this weekend. Yeah, we've got a ton of things to talk about. It's been a couple, couple of busy weeks in racing. So let's go over some of the results and standings for a few of the series, then uh, we'll talk about the F1 race. Alright, starting, let's start out with MotoGP. The Qatar Grand Prix took place on March 6th. Paul Espargaro got a great start and led most of the race. With four laps to go, Enea Bastianini fought Espargaro for first place. Espargaro braked a little too late into turn one, which allowed Bastianini and Brad Bender to go through into first and second place respectively. Bender mounted a challenge for the lead on the last lap, but ultimately, Bastianini came home with the win. Your top 10 finishers are Enea Bastianini, Brad Bender, Paul Espargaro, Alesa Espargaro, Marc Marquez, Juan Mir, Alex Rins, Johan Zarco, Fabio Quartararo, and Takaaki Nakagami. Moving on to the Indonesian Grand Prix, which happened today on March 20th. It was a white race, and you could tell that it was really difficult for the riders to find grip on the track. Miguel Oliveira started 7th on the grid, but shot up to 1st place on lap 1 after a crazy monster start. Jack Miller slotted in behind him and then passed him on lap 2. Oliveira then passed him back on lap 4 and led for most of the rest of the race. Meanwhile, defending world champion Fabio Cordero battled with Jack Miller and Johan Zarco to come home P2. Your top 10 finishers for that race are Miguel Oliveira, Fabio Cordero, Johan Zarco, Jack Miller, Alex Renz, Juan Mir, Franco Morbidelli, Brad Binder, Alias Espargaro, and Darren Binder. Yeah, so I actually was able to catch a little bit of that race, and uh, I was it was very wet. I was honestly, after watching the F1 race, I kind of came back and watched the MotoGP race, and I was pretty impressed with how they were able to handle those bikes on the wet, especially uh, Oliveira, the way he was able to just run a really consistent race with pretty much no mistakes while sparring it out with Cordero and Miller. Yeah. Now the race was there were there were very deep puddles all over the track in in the grooves and it was it looked really treacherous. I can't imagine trying to ride ride a bike on a surface that's that wet when they're spraying water up 10 feet in the air. Yeah, especially uh, towards the back of the pack, that battle for 8th place between Bender and Bastianini. That was uh, very tightly packed. They were running 3 wide at some points, and on such a wet track, I was pretty impressed with that. Uh, obviously, Bender just barely came out ahead of uh, Bastianini, but it was pretty cool to watch him duke it out. Right, it was. Yeah, Oliveira rode, rode really well. I mean, it was... It was so wet, and he, he did have a couple of moments. There were a couple of twitches where he almost lost the bike, but that was that was pretty universal all around. It was so so wet out there that everybody's having to be really, really careful on the throttle and baby the bike just trying to get home so you get the points for the world championship. Yep. Okay, let's move on to IndyCar. Uh, this week, the Expel 375 took place on March 20th today. Felix Rosenquist took pole position on Saturday, but quickly lost the lead to the second-year driver, Scott McLaughlin, on lap two. McLaughlin led for the majority of the race as the Arrow McLaren SP cars struggled with their pit stops. Padua Ward and Felix Rosenquist both overshot their pit boxes, causing delayed pit releases. Award even tagged one of his own crew members on the way into the box. He was okay, though. The lead swapped hands between McLaughlin, VK, Power, and Newgarden for the last half of the race. Joseph Newgarden ultimately took the checkered flag in first place as he executed a crazy last-second pass on the last lap of the race. Your top 10 finishers for that race are Joseph Newgarden, Scott McLaughlin, Marcus Erickson, Will Power, Scott Dixon, Jimmy Johnson, Alex Pillow, Simon Pagino, Santino Ferrucci, and Renus VK. 
this race was pretty pretty fun to watch. Lots lots of lots of stuff went down. Yeah, I there it was definitely a roller coaster. Uh, especially if you're a Scott McLaughlin fan, you probably went into that race feeling pretty good, especially uh, towards the middle section there where you're seeing really dominant, really good strategy, just really staying out of that kind of zero traction land at the top of the track. And, you know, you just kind of started watching New Garden and Power just kind of slowly just kind of reach up, try to grab them, try to do a little overtakes, eventually to start a swap and lead with them. So it was pretty exciting and a little harrowing to watch, especially on the top of that track where there was just no grip. And you saw, I can't remember who it was, might have been, well, there's a few actually, uh, topside attempted overtakes that ended up just causing just big old yellows. Yep. Takuma Sato was one. Uh, there was there was one incident with like three drivers I think I think one of them was a rookie and he's the one that caused it he tried to go down the inside push the guy who was on the inside outside and then that took the guy on the outside out into the wall which then took him out into the other two yeah you could really watch once they hit that top part if you went into the corner just a little bit too much on the top part before you're done overtaking it just you just understeer into the wall just slide it was like ice yeah, once you get off the line and into the marbles, all the grip is gone, so it takes some guts to pass on the outside. Yeah, which is why it was so impressive watching Newgarden and McLaughlin and uh, Jimmy Johnson, too, just pulling off really, really incredible overtakes, even well into the corner. Yes, this was Jimmy Johnson's first top 10 finish, so congratulations to him on that. That's really cool to see him come over to a different series and have success. Yeah, and I know we'll talk about engine problems in the uh, Formula 1 part of this, but it seems that Andretti had some other problems with power units uh, with Grosjean and Rossi, where they uh, both were unable to get the position they wanted and just kind of fell out of the race. Yeah, it was unfortunate to watch. They just kind of were down on power, didn't really have much of a shot, especially in a noble so let's move on to F3. We'll move on to the Formula Feeder Series, F3, F2, F1. Uh, the F3 Series was in Bahrain along with F2 and F1. Formula 3 and Formula 2 run a two-race weekend format where there's a shorter sprint race on Saturday and then a longer feature race on Sunday. The top 10 finishers in the F3 sprint race were Hajar, Behrman, Smoliar, Maloney, Leclerc, O'Sullivan, Colette, Frederick, Correa and Vidalis. The top 10 finishers in the F3 feature race, which is the one with the more points, longer, the bigger race, that's the main one, were Martins, Leclerc, Saucy, Correa, Calapinto, Behrman, Crawford, Vidalis, Alatalo, and Frederick. Moving on to F2. In the F2 sprint race, the top 10 were Vershore, Jeruvula, Lawson, Boshan, Drogovic, Sargent, Vips, Awasa, Hauger, and Duhon. The top 10 finishers in the F2 feature race, the main one, were Porsche, Lawson, Vips, Bashung, Armstrong, Drogovic, Sargent, Nissany, Hughes, and Duhon. Well, uh, Porsche came out of the, uh, came out of nowhere on that one, huh? Yeah. <laughs> he, uh, really, really had a good race. Came back from outside of the top 10. We've got in F2 Sergeant got a lot of points this week. He's the he's one of the American drivers. So it's good to see him doing well. He moved up from F3. He was in F3 for several years, so it's cool to see him doing well in a higher series. It'd be really awesome to see some more American talent on the F1 grid in the future. So let's move on to F1. So I'm I'm go. really really excited to talk about this first F1 weekend. We've learned so much, and like my March Madness bracket, most of my predictions this year were absolutely wrong. Yep, if you made a uh, Formula One fantasy team, I am sorry, we're all in pain right now. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> I don't unless think anybody could have quite uh, Unless you had yes. Magnuson on your team as P5 finisher, uh, in which case, congratulations, can I borrow a lottery ticket? Yeah, 
it, I, I don't think anybody could have really honestly confidently predicted this outcome. Yeah, because, you know, we talked about it a little bit last time, but uh, there's a lot of psychological stuff that goes into practice, and, you know, teams, we talk about sandbagging sometimes in relation to Mercedes, but I bet a lot of teams do it, and it seems, you know, Alfa Romeo may have been doing some sandbagging, maybe Haas, maybe everyone was except Mercedes. Yeah, it's it's so it's so hard to tell, and that just goes to show that testing doesn't really mean anything. But before we go into the race and the craziness that ensued this weekend, let's let's talk about uh, some predictions that we made before this weekend. For context, Sigh. we made these predictions after testing in Bahrain, but before first practice one, free practice one in Bahrain on Friday. So this was before we really had any idea who was where. Yep, you'll notice a, a healthy amount of cynicism in especially my predicted constructors championship and drivers championship brackets. <laughs> that well, I really wish I could just go back and change some things. <laughs> right. <laughs> I kind of kind of not liking where I went with this. <laughs> um so I don't know, let's do you want to list off your top 10 in the Constructors' Championship, Ben? Well, I figured we can kind of compare, but yeah, I had Red Bull first. Uh, interesting. Uh, then Mercedes, Ferrari, McLaren, Aston Martin, Alpine, AlphaTauri, Haas, Williams, and followed by Alfa Romeo. Nathan, okay. who did you have for your Constructors' Championship? My top 10, I had Ferrari first. Red Bull, Mercedes, McLaren, AlphaTauri, Aston Martin, Williams, Alpine, Haas, and Alfa Romeo. Yeah, so you can kind of tell that we made these right after practice, especially putting Alfa Romeo at the bottom after it seemed they were having a lot of problems, and Red Bull seemed pretty free and clear. Uh, but obviously, if we were to switch those around now, we might, I might have a different construct at the top of my list that would more closely match Nathan's. Yeah, I had a feeling Ferrari was holding their cards close to their chest, so I, that's why I put Ferrari as number one. I wasn't sure between them and Red Bull. I thought it was pretty equal. I would still say it's pretty equal. Yeah. Uh, I think I think Bahrain just tends to not be a Red Bull track. They don't have a great history there. So I, I, I don't know. And there's, there's so much of the season left, obviously, and every track's different, so... Looking just looking at where they were in pace, I think Ferrari and Red Bull are approximately in the same spot. Yeah, it makes me wonder though how the uh, driver's confidence and the team's confidence will be for Red Bull going into the next Grand Prix after the series of events that took place during this race that we'll get into later in the show, especially in relation to seeing Ferrari leap so far ahead. Yeah. So looking at let's see if there's any any let's look surprise. At our, our number four spot. Perhaps. Yeah, McLaren. McLaren did not do well this weekend. Yeah, but... and I was I was kind of hoping that McLaren and Ferrari would have a similar situation of maybe punching above third place for constructors, but it seems that the the gulf has increased exponentially between the two teams, at least based off of this first race. And while it didn't seem they had any outright mechanical issues at McLaren, it seems that something on their cars is off and it'll be interesting to see if they're able to rectify the problem or if the drivers are just going to have to come to grips with the new cars and figure out a way around it. Yes. It seems it seems that McLaren is going to have some they have some work to do, catch up. I think they can do it. McLaren's such a massive team in the F1 space. I think this is just probably a an off week. Uh, they had they had trouble cooling their brakes the entire time, so I think they'll they'll have some upgrades here in the next couple of weeks that should help them out a lot. I don't know the entirety of their problems. Uh, I know porpoising is still a big deal for a few of the teams, notably Mercedes. They were bouncing all over down the straights, but as as far as our predictions go, we overestimated McLaren and seem to have underestimated Haas and Alfa Romeo. Yeah, watching Bottas and Alfa Romeo put in just a really solid, consistent lap, kind of similar to when he was at Mercedes, is kind of cool to see. 
I see it was. That if you take the man out of the car, you still have quite a bit of man left to race. Yes. Okay, do you want to move on to the drivers' championship predictions? It's quite a lot of drivers, so I might just pick out kind of the the top ones that I had and some of the upsets that I noticed based off of what I was predicting. So I don't know if this is obvious or not, but I uh, I had Verstappen and Hamilton battling it out for first and second, and that might still happen. We haven't seen anything besides this first race. Uh, following that, I had Sainz for Ferrari instead of Leclerc. Uh, based on what I saw last season. And then I had Norris right in between Sainz and Leclerc at fourth place. I had Ricardo just below Perez, Perez at sixth, Ricardo at seventh. And then Magnussen at 16th, which vastly underestimated him. Along with Schumacher and Joe, I think. I think they'll be doing a lot better than I anticipated this season, especially seeing uh, number 20 for on my list to show for Alfa Romeo place points in his first race for the season yes i was i was actually very pleasantly surprised i also have joe as my number 20 pick but he came out and scored scored a point in his debut race so good job for him i think that comes from what we saw from alfa romeo or yeah alfa romeo in the testing where they just could not get a testing session to go smoothly for them so i think we both thought there that they were going to be struggling most of the season. We both had Bottas in 14th. I think that's just credit to Bottas. Um, but, yes, the Drivers' Championship, as it sits right now, is vastly different from our predictions. Yeah, I think you still got me beat in the accuracy of your predictions. I don't know how you did that. Hopefully <laughs> I can uh, fix that next season. But I'm... Honestly, pleasantly surprised to see so much of a shakeup in the Drivers' Championship. Obviously, it kind of hurts me when it comes down to my predictions, but it's cool to see drivers like Magnussen and Leclerc really step up and just put in awesome times and really mature performances. Yep, absolutely. Um, for my, my kind of notable drivers' picks, I had Verstappen winning. Leclerc second, Sainz third, with Hamilton fourth, Perez fifth, Russell sixth, and then I had Norris and Gasly and Ricardo after that, so I was putting McLaren kind of up there in the fourth place-ish spot. Uh, I, that could still happen. I still, I still would put McLaren, if I were to change anything, I'd still put them fifth or sixth for my Constructors Championship. I think they're going to bounce back. But yeah. as far as the drivers go, um, it's really hard to say. I think I think I might have shortchanged Alcon a little bit. I put him in 13th. Bottas, for sure, I put in 14th. He definitely needs to be higher. Tsunoda had a good race, too. He finished 8th, I believe. Yeah, he did well last time, too. His debut in Bahrain ended up with the same performance as Joe, actually, with uh, 10th place performance on his first race in F1. Yep. And then I, I put Magnussen and Schumacher in 18th and 19th respectively, which I absolutely disagree with now. Yep. A lot of underestimation happening. Who do you think, in terms of constructors, will be competing with each other? I know last season it was kind of Mercedes and Red Bull and Ferrari and McLaren and down from there, but this season I think that's quite a shakeup. Yeah, I would say Ferrari Red Bull is the title fight for sure. McLaren or Mercedes could enter that later in the season, but they need to move fast. Yeah, they need to get on top of their car sooner rather than later if they want any shot of winning. Because Ferrari looks so fast. Yeah. The most interesting thing for me is I'm not quite sure who's going to be sitting at top of the midfield though. If we have three really strong teams for this year in Red Bull, Mercedes, and Ferrari, who's going to be kind of heading up the rest of the pack? Do you think McLaren's still going to be able to cinch it, or do you think we're going to have an upset in Haas or Aston Martin? Uh, the reason I say McLaren is going to be probably fifth or sixth is because obviously they have work to do, but they have two very, very talented drivers, whereas I feel like the other teams have one talented driver, 
Well, they obviously every, every driver talented. That's how they got there. But they have one really good driver, and then one driver that's a little less experienced. Not necessarily bad, but I think the teams are so close together right now. Whereas, it, like, if you look at the results of the race, um, the teams weren't weren't really grouped together. It was a lot of one driver. Like, it went from Magnussen to Bottas to Akon to Sonoda to Alonso. So there were no teammates together. It was all separated. I think that has to do with just how equal the the cars are. Yeah, I think in terms of driver-to-driver for each team, Ferrari, Mercedes, and McLaren are probably the closest in terms of driver talent within their teams. Uh, Yeah. Even Verstappen and Perez, it looked like Perez was trailing Verstappen by not a small margin throughout most of the race. That's true. I I don't know how much of that is him being caught behind signs. I think um, it's, it's hard to say really with the new cars whether... The one thing I noticed uh, in this race, one of the many things I should say, is that the spread was a lot smaller. So I think it's a lot easier for cars to follow each other because cars weren't getting lapped until like lap 50 which is really unusual that is a good point it seems that the fia's changes to the cars for tighter racing were actually pretty successful so good on them for that yes the the racing was much tighter there were there were overtakes pretty much constantly it felt like it was it was a really fun race to watch and it felt like the flow of the race was different than previous f1 races it felt more consistently good i should say yeah it felt like a different race series almost at times especially you know watching leclerc and verstappen duke it out over the course of a couple laps just swapping leads over and over again which isn't really something we've seen a whole often before yeah they were obviously playing some games with the drs activation point at the end of the front straight yeah um leclerc would let Verstappen go ahead at the activation points or the the detection detection points so that he would get the drag reduction going down the second straight, which is smart and <laughs> ultimately led to him pretty much winning the race. Well, not really, obviously, <laughs> which we'll get into more of why that is later. But um, yeah, he he defended his lead very well. And I was very impressed with both him and Max at the respect that they showed each other on the track, not not banging wheels or anything. They gave each other space and really raced um, well and aggressively, but also fairly. Yeah, yeah, there were a couple times towards kind of the middle back of the pack where it seemed that Mick and Sonoda and some of the other guys were just racing a lot closer than I've really ever seen cars in this current era raced together before there were probably there might have even been three wide at some point along the track trying to go through one of the turns yeah it was really good to see if if this race was any indication of the season to come i think we're in for another another banger like last year yep so let's let's move on from our driver's predictions uh we had a section where i put the our prediction for the total number of safety cars and virtual safety cars this year i went for 34 in total over the 23 races i thought it was going to be a lot because of the new cars and people still getting used to them but now i'm kind of not feeling like it because we (laughs) for most of the race we had 20 drivers and that really surprised me we only had three retirements all within like the last 10 laps of the race so yeah and a lot of that seemed you know early car teething issues especially for red bull so that might actually see further reduction in the future as long as drivers are able to keep it clean which it seems that they're really striving for that this year there's that yeah i mean the it seems like the faa is really stepping in and starting to say that they're gonna enforce the rules more than in previous years which is good considering what happened in Abu Dhabi and other races last year um 
I think it's good that we have a new president of the FIA. We have new race directors. It seems like they're really cracking down on stuff, especially track limits. They mm-hmm. are. They really enforce strictly that uh, the white line at the edge of the of the actual track is the limit of the track, and if you go over that, your lap time will be deleted in qualifying which I think is good because there was so much confusion last year on whether the edge of the track was the edge of the white line or whether it was the edge of the curb on the edge of the track. Yeah. And so that that caused a lot of confusion and some strife with some drivers. Some people lost pull because of that or at least a good qualifying performance. I remember Lando Norris lost a, I think, front row qualifying I think he qualified P2 in MLL last year if he didn't go off track limits. So it's good that they're enforcing it. It means drivers have to have more control over their car and really know where the track is, which can't really be a bad thing. Nope. Yeah, so I had 22 total safety cars in VSCs. Where I got that number, uh, well, there are just under 22 drivers so i figure that's one for every driver plus two extra for margin gotcha that seems fair i think that might maybe be a little low just because there's 23 races but uh we'll see i think we got well it was a vsc for briefly and then it was upgraded to a full safety car so i think that counts as just one safety car this uh this race or was there... No. Yeah, no, it was just one. Yeah, because Max was able to get off the track, and then Sergio's crash happened on the last lap. Yep. So, yeah, just one safety car this race. So, I would say Ben is more on track than I am. But, you know, <laughs> it's a There's long still season. 22 races to go. <laughs> exactly. All right, so for the next category or question or what have you in the predictions chart I have here was the driver with the most fastest laps over the course of the season. Uh, What did you put, Ben? Yeah, I had Norris. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) That's unfortunate. Hold on, let me explain. explain. So my thinking was that if McLaren was going to be sparring for, you know, second or third place, which was kind of my hope, that's not where I had them necessarily in my Constructors' Championship, but I can always be bullish on teams, was that if they were going to be fighting for, you know, second or third place, that they're really going to be scraping for that extra point wherever they could get it to stay ahead of Ferrari or Mercedes or Red Bull or whoever they're fighting. So, we generally saw last season that Norris would put in a faster lap than Ricardo, so it makes sense that if they were going to be going for second and... That kind of implies they weren't getting a whole lot of first place podiums that they would try to pit at least one of their drivers and especially their fastest driver onto softs, kind of like we saw Mercedes do a lot with Bottas last season and try to get that extra lap point. Yeah. No, it makes sense. It's just it uh, It, it did doesn't look like it's going to pan out like that. <laughs> I uh, hate to be the bearer of bad news. <laughs> Uh, I thought I was playing 5D chess out here, but I think I... Blunder. (laughs) I just blundered, yeah. (laughs) Um, No, I think that was a solid pick. Uh, I would have... Yeah, I I completely understand it, but uh, it doesn't uh, look like McLaren is there at the moment. So I chose Leclerc, which I'm feeling a little better about that. Um, Yeah. I think he got... Yeah, he got the fastest lap this race. I believe he got a Grand Slam. I could be wrong, because he, he... The Grand Slam is... Um, or is it... I don't know if he has to lead every qualifying session, now that I think about it. Because he... I thought it was pole position, lead every lap, and win the race. And fastest lap. But now, now I'm thinking you might have to win every qualifying session, which Verstappen was in first in Q2. So he might not have gotten the Grand Slam, but if, if it's not that, then he did. And that's, I believe, his first Grand Slam, if that's the case, which is really cool for him. It's at least his very first, almost very close Grand Slam. Yes. 
and he made up for his poor luck in 2019 where he was winning the race and then had an engine failure. Yep. So, looks like Bahrain is the place for that. But we'll talk about that more later. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, So, let's see. the The next column in the prediction bracket. Total different race winners. I went with six. And I went with ten. Uh, I thought it would be at least a little more varied than last season. It might not be, looking at that most recent Ferrari 1-2. But we shall see. This is the one that I'm kind of optimistic that I might actually be a little close on. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. It looks like there's some opportunities for some surprise winners this year. It looks like the cars are generally closer together. So someone has a good race and there's some craziness at the front, then I think uh, we could have a good few different winners. Schumacher P1 at US Grand Prix? <laughs> that would be really cool. <laughs> That'd be insane. That'd be great. I can't even imagine. <laughs> well, I can now, actually, with Magnuson coming home P5. Yeah. But, all right, and for our last last column in the prediction chart was the team with the fastest pit stop this year. I went with Williams. Kind of an underdog pick. Well, kind of. They, um, they're they kind of generally faster on the pit stops. They're a pit stop focused team like Red Bull is. Uh, Red Bull's won the title every <laughs> every year, I think, for like <laughs> the last 10 years. So, But I think Williams come in second most of that time too. So I'm, I'm going, taking a risk. Giving them my giving them my vote this year, I think they got yeah. it. Well, uh, I I picked Red Bull. Yeah, for reasons that you just explained. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Even if their cars aren't the most reliable, maybe their pits can be. If they'll be getting a lot of practice, I guess. Yeah, um, and when, it seems the pit stops are a little slower to start out the season. Most of them yeah. are more than three seconds. Yeah, so I don't know if they added more rule changes to the pit stops in addition to the pit stop changes they made towards the end of last season, but it did seem pretty sluggish, and one of the commentators brought up the point that the wheel and tire combination is heavier due to the fact that you're running less tire and more wheel. Right. Yeah, I was I was just about to say and point that out, that the uh, the tires are bigger, and so I can imagine that's quite the adjustment for the crew that you know, basically relies on muscle memory. Yep. So, I would imagine we'll see, we'll see the the times come down as the season goes on. Definitely, and you know, it's just a different environment, practice to race. So, the more races you get under your belt, I'm sure it'll go a bit faster for a pit cruise overall. Yeah. All right. So that that was our our predictions for this season um we'll see with the last four groups of of uh of our guesses how that goes um i can already tell that the constructors and drivers championships are not going to be that accurate by the end of the season (laughs) but you know that's why this is fun (laughs) so let's move on to the actual f1 weekend itself mclaren had some had some had some struggles. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, Daniel Ricciardo was out the week before for testing, so he didn't get the benefit of having, you know, two to three hundred laps of this track under his belt before going out and racing. Yep, and to specify, that's COVID testing. Yes. So, yeah. No. He, then... uh, he he had COVID over the course of the F1 test last weekend. Uh, he returned for this race. He was he tested negative early on in the week, so that was good to see. And then, unfortunately, Sebastian Vettel tested positive for COVID this weekend, uh, before right before the weekend, and um, was unable to take part. He was replaced by Nico Hulkenberg. So everybody's favorite some, reserve driver. Everybody's favorite COVID COVID reserve driver. <laughs> <laughs> the Hulkenback memes came flooding back. It's good to see. He's such a nice guy. I love that. I love it when he gets to drive. It's has got it's great really hair. Cool. Yeah, great hair. Fantastic hair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, so yeah, it was it was really cool to see Hulkenberg back in a car. Unfortunately, it was an Aston Martin, and they didn't do too well this week either. That was scathing. Yeah, I don't. It was. I was kind of disappointed. I was hoping to see Aston Martin higher up the field, but Stroll and Hulkenberg both were, I think, finished bottom five, right? Or no, Stroll mm. was twelfth actually. Hulkenberg was seventeenth. Yeah. So I was. I was kind of hoping that. You know, all things being equal, that Stroll would have gained a little bit more maturity from last season. We saw some flashes of brilliance from him, and so much so that I I added him to my Formula One fantasy team, and uh, well, he let me down a little bit. <laughs> uh, yeah, it seems like Stroll is either either on or off. He has good days and bad days. Yep. Um, he, yeah, like you said, has definitely shown that he is a very capable driver. Um, Turkey comes to mind from 2020. Yep. He got pole position, and then I don't remember where he ended up in the race. He got unlucky with some of the tire strategy, um, but he did really well there, and then he got a couple of podiums, I believe, in Italy and in um, Bahrain or Secure. Yeah whichever one it was. It might have been secure. Um, so, yeah, he has definitely shown that he has potential as a driver, and he did finish five places ahead of Hulkenberg. But we'll see how that uh, that unfolds with him in Vettel over the course of the season. I hope that Aston Martin can hopefully up their performance a little bit. Along with McLaren, they, uh, McLaren just they had trouble cooling their brakes throughout testing and the weekend. Um, they just had a lot of problems with their car that it didn't seem like they could quite get their heads around. Yep, and it seems Ricardo is doomed to be jinxed at Bahrain, at least based off of last year and this year, uh, at least for qualifying. He didn't seem super confident last year, despite placing pretty okay, and this year I think it just compounded. Yeah, it's it seems like... Bahrain is kind of a jinx for a lot of drivers. I know Gasly had a rough race last year in Bahrain, and then also this year. Um, so, you know, it's just it's the beginning of the season, so there's going to be reliability issues and issues with the car that you got to work out before, you know, the season really gets, gets chugging along. Um, they have some time, both teams, to... to hopefully ship out some upgrades and get the cars hopefully more into the midfield before um, before the season really gets too far in. Yeah. Yeah, well, looking at the placements, it looks... Well, unless you want to break down the placements first, and then we'll kind of talk about where everyone came in. The placements, like um, just the, the order they finished? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we will go first to last. Uh, first place winning the race was Charles Leclerc, and then second place was Carlos Sainz, third Hamilton, fourth Russell, fifth Magnussen, sixth Bottas, seventh Ocon, eighth Tsunoda, ninth Alonso, tenth Joe, eleventh Schumacher, twelfth Stroll, Albon, thirteenth. 14th Ricardo, 15th Norris, 16th Latifi, 17th Hulkenberg, 18th Perez, 19th Verstappen, and 20th Gasly. Yeah, so I wanted to kind of bring up Russell. I kind of expected him at the start of practice and the start of the season to be a lot further behind Hamilton, but I don't know if this is the car kind of hamstringing Hamilton on his pace or Russell just really rising to the occasion, but I was pretty impressed that he was able to stick with his teammate uh, on his first race with a new team. Yes, I agree. I think, I think Russell is, is a lot better than a lot of people gave him credit for. I think a lot of people thought Hamilton was going to run away with it. I, I really didn't. I think Hamilton's still going to beat Russell this year, but Mm -hmm. I, I I think it's going to be a lot closer than a lot of people think. Um, just, yeah, they're, they're so close together and just looking at last year, well, previous years, I think 
generally Hamilton seems to put the car way out ahead of where it is like the car should be. And I think there's a couple of drivers like that, like Verstappen and Leclerc. And I think Russell is one of those two where they just drive the car way faster than the average person could. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think with two two drivers of that caliber on Mercedes, I think I think they're going to do really well this year. I think the car is going to get better. I would say probably the Mercedes isn't too far above the midfield, but I think they just have two really, really talented drivers kind of pushing that car ahead of where it really is. Yeah, really. And talk about top of the midfield. Kevin Magnussen, kind of the big news for the weekend, in addition to the Ferrari one too, getting Haas' car up into fifth place. Yes. Looking at the constructor standings at the moment and seeing Haas in third place is (laughs) jarring, to say the least. (laughs) Watching a Haas fight Mercedes on lap one at turn one was jarring to say the least (laughs) yep it was it I'm so happy I'm so happy for Haas I'm so happy for Gunter Steiner I'm so happy for everybody there it's so they're such a lovable team especially now um with their new their new driver pairing I think it's I think uh they're gonna amass a multitude of fans this year and I think they're going to do really well. I'm really excited for to to see how Haas does this year. Yep, I started hearing a little bit of Star Spangled as he rolled across the finish line. Just <laughs> ah, feels good. Yeah, I I made a comment about about needing another American team in F1, um, but you know, I think if Haas if Haas can can pick it up, and as as it seems they have, I think. Uh, think that'll scratch that itch for me a little bit but it would still be cool to see Andretti come in in the coming years yep yeah it feels good to have Haas back feeling a lot more like the team they were before 2020 right in 2018 uh, they came in fourth place or third or fourth or fifth I believe in the pretty sure it's fourth yeah um so Yeah. yeah I I hope that they're back it seems they're back on form. Schumacher would have had a much better race. He came in 11th. I think he, he would have had a much better race if he wasn't spun out by Akon at the beginning. Yeah, that was a great catch by him. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, he did a total 360 on the track when he got spun out, but he com- he completely caught it like a pro. Like He's been driving an F1 car for 10 years. Yeah, I thought that so. was uh, supposed to be Sebastian Vettel's special skill, but since he's not on the track, I guess Schumacher picked it up for him. Yeah, they are best friends, so I uh, I imagine Vettel's giving him some pointers. He's been teaching him <laughs> how to correct the spinola. <laughs> yeah. So it was it was kind of unfortunate that he got spun out at the beginning of the race. I think that kind of ruined his race a little bit. He did mention afterwards in an interview that he felt like there was some damage on the car um, to the floor after he got tagged so he felt that the car wasn't up to speed for the rest of the race and he still managed to make several passes and fight several battles and come home 11th so i think he had a very a very good race and he should be proud of that result and i know he didn't get points and he's still waiting for his first points in f1 but i'm i would say they're definitely coming this year yeah i'll be very excited to see both Haas drivers racing at the U.S. Grand Prix in yes. a car with a, a nice little American flag on it. <laughs> but yeah, it's very um, exciting. Would you like to talk about the big disappointment of this race in terms of overall constructors? Uh, which one? <laughs> which one? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Red Bull, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we can talk about Red Bull. We've been teasing the Red Bull conversation all episodes so far. So you get so the, let's move the into uh, that. listening time. Am I going to make everyone wait till the end to talk about the good stuff? Right. So, um, a tale of four engine suppliers, each one with a very different story to tell. Uh, we'll go through that as we as we go into the Red Bull story. Um, so the... The Mercedes engine seems to be extraordinarily slow <laughs> compared to All the other, reliable. other three. Yeah. Um, 
because the bottom after qualifying, I believe the bottom was it six or eight cars were all Mercedes powered except for Joe. Yes, who was uh, a rookie this year. Yes, so it was either a Mercedes powered car or a rookie in the in the bottom dregs of the field. Um, the only Mercedes powered car that did remotely okay was Mercedes. <laughs> so. Uh, I think I think they have some problems to work out with their engine. <laughs> yeah. Um, hopefully they can get some more speed out of it. But even Mercedes, like um, Hamilton was saying, that they're slow in a straight line, and a lot of their gains are coming in the corners. So. Yeah, the I Mercedes car that... did look pretty good through the corners, but it's it's a good thing, let's say, that Mercedes has experience with dropping hot rods in the back of their cars midway through the season. <laughs> Yeah, they will need to follow suit. They will need to do that again if they want to hopefully challenge for the title. Um, So, yes, the Mercedes engines, uh, they are supplied to Aston Martin, Williams, and McLaren. And then, obviously, Mercedes runs Mercedes engines. Um, So those those are the teams to hopefully hopefully improve in the coming coming weeks. if we can get some engine upgrades for those guys, I think that would help McLaren out a lot. Even Williams looks good if they can get their straight line speed up. Yeah. So I think there's there's some work to do there for, for Mercedes. And the good news about the way engines work in F1 and engine supplying especially is that if Mercedes upgrades their engine, they have they have to pass down those upgrades to these supply teams. Yep. And it's it's not vice versa. So McLaren can upgrade the Mercedes engine, um, or at least the adjacent parts, without having to pass those on to anybody else. So that's kind of the benefit of buying from a team. Um, but you don't get to really have a say in the overall basic design of the engine, which is where the trade-off is. Yep. Yeah, if they give you a tractor, then... Well, I guess you're stuck upgrading the tractor for a little bit. Right, and I think, you know, that's that's what happened to Ferrari after they got caught doing some shady things a couple of years ago, and then all the Ferrari-supplied team... Yeah, right, allegedly. <laughs> then, like, mysteriously, all of the Ferrari-powered teams dropped to the back <laughs> after yeah. after they got this alleged slap on the wrist. Allegedly, um, yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, then, on the opposite of the Mercedes slow tractor engine, you have Red Bull, which is now Red Bull Honda Motors, I think, going with the much-vaunted glass cannon approach. Yes, they are very fast. They can easily compete with the Ferrari engines, but uh, reliability is the big question mark right now. And right now, the question mark is very much an exclamation point yes <laughs> very a very explosive and fiery exclamation point yeah um, which i thought it was interesting that out of the three red bull powered cars that failed this race they all failed in very different ways yes so three of the four red bull powered cars did not finish the race due to reliability problems uh gasly's engine uh the mg uk failed and caught on fire and so he had to he lost all power and had to pull over before he you know (laughs) (laughs) got warm (laughs) yeah got a little got a little hot uh so that was that was towards the end of the race um and then shortly afterwards max made a pit stop to switch to soft tires to hopefully shake things up and maybe make a challenge to Leclerc for the lead of the race towards the end. But it looks as though, from what I heard, one of the mechanics knocked a setting on one of the uh, suspension arms or something, which changed how the steering worked in the car, and it made, it basically broke Max's power steering, and so he was it was really hard for him to turn the wheel to one side when he was at, full, when he was, uh, at high speed. Which is yeah, not watching, ideal. <laughs> watching him try to take that left corner when you had the driver cam, 
uh, and he's just wrenching on one side of the steering wheel with both hands was a little terrifying. Yeah, it's not not what you want to see when you're going that fast. I, I can imagine he was very upset, but you, you could tell just through the radio messages oh, that he wanted to stay out. Oh, you didn't have to, to imagine he was very upset. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was, yeah, he, he was very upset. They showed how upset he was, but he kept telling telling Red Bull that he wanted to fight through it and stay out, which I respect a lot. Like, he didn't, he didn't say, oh, I've got this power steering issue. I guess that's my race. I'll come get him next time. He was like, I'll just, I'll just finish the race with it, <laughs> even though I can barely drive the car. Yep. <laughs> so that was that was pretty insane. But you know that's how he became world champion last year with uh, that fighting spirit, and that's how he's gonna fight for it this year. Fight, uh, try to defend his title. Yep. And then you had Perez's engine right towards the end of the race. You thought that Perez was gonna at least be able to salvage some points for Red Bull to keep them competitive in this first race, and all of a sudden going through the corner and his engine just locks up and sends him to a little bit of a spin yeah it was the camera work was <laughs> kind of funny and interesting because it looked like from the angle we saw it looked like almost that hamilton spun him out but yeah it, it, he didn't <laughs> it was yeah, just the angle that, the, we, that it cut to the driver cam it just shows the screen of his car going black and his car just kind of sh- deciding that it didn't want to race anymore yeah he uh it was on the he was on the last lap and the lap before he was telling his engineer that he was losing power in the engine uh which is kind of what what happened to max um max's engine just cut out like he had the power steering problem and then his engine ended up cutting out and he kind of had to roll into the pit lane in neutral (laughs) um but uh it seemed that uh Perez had a similar problem. He was coming down the straight to turn one and turned the car in, and all of a sudden the engine seized, which locked up his back wheels, and he just spun right around. So yeah, it was it was really really not a great day for Red Bull fans. No, no, not at all. But, but uh, you know, Sonoda placed eighth, so that was not on my bingo of. Red Bull drivers who would finish a race while everybody else DNF'd. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, Tsunoda had a good race. It was good to see him get a result because he didn't get a ton of results, good results last season. Yep. So starting the season off somewhat strong for him, that's good to see. Um, but yeah, yeah the Red yeah. Bull, the Red Bull story is kind of the big one. Are they gonna? Are they gonna figure out? Be able to figure out what was what was the problem? Uh, is there are there are they gonna have to replace some of their engine parts? I think um, Christian Horner, the team boss for Red Bull, said that the Red Bulls didn't have any engine damage, and it wasn't really a problem with the engine. It was a problem with the electrical system, which kind of makes sense. Um, yep. So we'll see if that. If that really is the case, or if they have to replace an engine part, it's harder to say for Gasly. I would imagine if his MG UK caught on fire, then they're going to have to replace that. Um, you only get a certain amount of each part for your engine to replace every year, and then you start taking grid penalties when you replace extra. So the MG UK, I believe you get three of them for the whole year. So losing, losing one of them <laughs> in the first race is not ideal. It means it's probably going to come back and bite Gasly later on in the year. Yep, especially in a series that now has 23 races, and you've only made it through one. Exactly. Like, the, I think the rule for the three engine components was introduced back when there were, like, between 18 and 20 races in the yep. calendar. So it's a big difference going from having to go six races per engine to now having to go what more like eight nine yeah almost so it's uh it's uh quite the adjustment they have to make everything last longer but also try to keep make sure the speed speed stays not not trade speed for reliability too much yeah yeah very much so speaking of speed and reliability we have 
next up on our list of engine suppliers, Renault. Yes. Who were entirely unremarkable this race? Yeah. Yeah. I would say so, but at the same time, they were better than Mercedes in that aspect. I would yeah. say being unremarkable is better than being slow. <laughs> yeah, um, this is true. They, they were they were in there. They were in the mix. They definitely have a good car that I feel could be somewhat competitive in the midfield this year. They finished, where did they finish? Akon finished 7th and, and Alonzo finished ninth. Yep. That's right in there with the midfield, so they should be competitive for the best of the rest title this year, I would think. Yeah, do you see, because obviously Red Bull is going to have to make some changes and Mercedes is going to have to make some changes, do you see Renault making any changes to their engine to try and keep up, or do you think they're going to leave things that aren't broken as they are and try to focus on other parts of the car to gain some speed? I think they'll make changes as the season goes on, just like any other team. I don't think they have. I don't think they're as far behind as Mercedes is. I think they're probably. Yeah, they're going to bring upgrades throughout the season, just like every other team. But, um, yeah, I don't think the engine is really their problem right now. I don't think they have a problem really right now. I think they just, you know, just need to drive a little faster. <laughs> midfield team. <laughs> yep. So. And that, yeah, that brings us to what is no longer a midfield team, apparently. Uh, Ferrari, which Ferrari. their engines did a great job. Yes, the Ferrari engines look fantastic. They are fast. They they seem to have held up. Um, between the three teams that run Ferrari engines, which are Ferrari, Haas, and Alfa Romeo, each team made a gigantic leap forward this year, it seems. So yeah. I would I would attribute it's you know there's so many factors that go into whether a team does well or poorly, but looking at the results and then looking at the engine suppliers seems to tell that kind of story. Yeah, I mean, out of the top ten finishers for points, you have one, two, three, four, uh, five. So half of the grid that placed in points was running a Ferrari engine. Yep, that's what, five of the six Ferrari runners finished in the top ten? Yep. And Schumacher finished 11th. So it was almost six for six in the top ten, which is pretty pretty good. (laughs) It's a pretty impressive track record. Yeah, that's... They they nailed their engine this year, and so I don't... I I think they're they're looking pretty solid, and the upgrades they bring to their chassis and engine will just... will only help them. Yeah, and crucially... They don't look too fast this season. Yes, they they look fast, but they also look unsuspiciously Legal. fast. Yeah. <laughs> um, so hopefully, hopefully that is the case, and we don't have another 2019 situation on our hands. But I can't Ugh. imagine they would do that again, especially this soon after last time. <laughs> Allegedly. Yep. Allegedly. Yeah. All right, so let's see. I think that's pretty much uh, all we got on the docket today. Uh, was there anything else that happened in the race that we missed? I don't think so. I was going to ask what your predictions for uh, the next race was. Predictions for the next race. Let's see. We're racing at Saudi Arabia. Yep. Street circuit, long straights, really, really high-speed corners. Um, I'm going to say science first, followed by Leclerc, Verstappen, and Russell. Interesting. Yeah, I think I'm and gonna... then I'll, I'll, go, uh, I'll go Perez fifth. I'll do my Perez top fifth. five there. Okay, top five. Yeah, long straights, but really tight corners because i mean mercedes is actually for how slow their cars were on the straights they were doing pretty stonking well in the corners high speed corners yeah that's why i put russell fourth yeah so i might have to go i think i'm gonna go leclerc for stopping hamilton perez russell you don't put science in the top five 
I don't know. It seemed he was... I mean, he was doing pretty well at this race. But I think when it comes down to it, do you think Sainz is a better driver than uh, Hamilton when it comes down to those high-speed corners? Um, I don't know. I don't know if it... I, w- I would just say Sainz has a way better car this year at the moment. Yeah. I'm going to put that as my dark horse the signs is uh, your dark standings. horse. <laughs> okay, I'm going to put I'm going to put K Mag as my dark horse. Magnuson oh. might pull in another fifth place. Interesting. Instead of Perez? Yeah. Alrighty. Perez, yeah, Perez has a history at this track already, so <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Well, of course a lot of a lot of <laughs> a lot of drivers do. <laughs> last season, <laughs> last season Saudi Arabia was actually insane. Yes. Um there was the there were quite a few controversial moments. So, so let's you're not hope that Latifi uh, is your as your dark horse fifth place. Uh not not this time. Not this time around. <laughs> but uh yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. That is in a week's time. Do you have anything else you want to add before we sign off, Ben? Not particularly. Alrighty. Well, thank you everybody so much for listening. We had a lot of fun this week. There was a ton of on-track action to watch throughout all of the series. It looks like we've got a pretty unpredictable racing season ahead of us, and we're really looking forward to covering it. So if you should do- if you enjoyed today's episode of Rev Hangout, do us a huge favor and leave a like or rating on the platform you listened on. It would really help us out. We will yep. be back next week to talk about the Sebring 12-hour race that just happened and the Saudi Arabia Grand Prix that's happening on next Sunday. We all know how exciting those races can be, so so make sure you tune in next time. I have been Nathan. And this has been Ben. We'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye. See you guys.